What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. Yo, it's Johnny King with another episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. Yo, I'm so excited to have a good buddy here on the show today, and I think you're in for a treat because I've talked about on this show, obviously, that I've been powerfully influenced in, in a great way over the last 13 years with always pretty much always having a coach who coaches me. But now here's an example of a coach who sought me out. So, so my buddy Zach is, is a client, but I learn as much from him as he probably learns from me. And we, it's a, it's a very cool symbiotic relationship. So thanks for being on, man. Thanks for taking me on all the way around, man. hundred <laughs> <laughs> yeah, percent. But you have such a fascinating story. When we initially sat down for coffee, half a year ago, whenever that was, uh, four or five months ago, man, I just, you were telling me about who you used to be and I can't, I can't fathom you being that guy, you know, cause you've come so far. And that's, that's funny how like someone who's lost a ton of weight and they're like, Oh yeah, I was a hundred pounds heavier. And you're like, what? I can't, I don't, I, I'm not connected with that older version of you. I can only see the healthy ver- version of you, but, but your, uh, your story is pretty fascinating, which is why I wanted to get into it. Uh, cause like I said, you, you have a, a viewpoint on life that's different from mine and that I've learned so much from. And that's why I was like, man, I want to have you on the podcast and really dig into this. Cause I do feel like a lot of guys that I talk to have a story that resonates with what you've been through. Um, and now you're obviously you've become a coach and you're helping guys you're paying it forward as well, which is pretty powerful. So I want to get into all the good stuff, but again, thanks for being here. Maybe you can just touch, uh, touch on some of the, the high points, Tell your, tell your story, who you are and, and kind of where it began. If you don't mind, we can kind of dive into the. Yeah. Let's get deep, man. Story. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, like the weight loss story of like, you know, hundred pounds lighter. If you saw me naked, you'd see the stretch marks, you know, yeah. from uh, <laughs> spiritually. I mean, you spiritually, know. emotionally. Yeah. 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 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I, uh, yeah. So I'm born and bred here in Denver and I know you're in Denver too. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, and I had this, uh, you know, pretty great upbringing, great parents, great family. Um, my dad was a hockey guy from Canada um, and I pursued hockey and uh, I pursued, you know, high level academics and achieved left and right. Um, ended up at the University of Denver uh, playing hockey, you know, for the, uh, you know, for the, the varsity team. We won a national championship my freshman year. And, uh, I won, I literally was like the named the most outstanding senior of the school. Uh, my, my, you know, last year there, um, Dean's list and editor, one of the editors of the newspaper, like, I just was like this, you know, high gear kind of guy. And then I got out of school. What's that? You're the big man on campus. (laughs) Well, kind of, I wasn't like the big guy in the team. But I did everything else, you know, people are like, is he compensating for something, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah it's a shortage of ice time, you know, um, yeah. causes shrinkage. Uh, right. <laughs> and so, yeah, I was like, man, uh, 
so I got out of, out of school and everybody was like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Cause I had the kind of persona and now resume that I could do anything. Hmm. And, um, what I ended up doing was running my life completely into the ground, hmm. uh, slowly, but surely over the course of the next six or seven years, um, via, uh, alcohol, you know, I mean, that was the, um, as hard as I was going in school, as soon as I came out, I just, I had this big hole inside of me from the time I was like very young that I was like, what is this about? And why do I feel like I'm in trouble all the time? Why do I feel like I'm not good enough all the time? I'm just going to achieve to make sure that if anybody looks at me, they're going to be like, Oh, this kid is not just normal. He's, you know, he's extra. you like, he's, he's got something extra. So I, to try and convince myself that maybe if I portrayed that, maybe it could become true. Um, and yeah, and I, you know, uh, society and, you know, the, probably I was being provided, you know, maps about how to find out what his, what your life is really going to be all about, what, what it, what you personally would want your life to be about. Um, but if that was really, I mean, I was looking for it and I did not stumble across it. I had great coaches. I had great teammates. I had great, uh, people who, you know, boosters, uh, housing people that I lived with, you know, as I was on my journey Yeah. and, um, and we had great facilitators that came in. I mean, university of Denver, we're, you know, blue chip school, winning national championships kind of thing. Like it was, we had, we had unbelievable people come in and like speak with us, but, um, I got out of school and I, and I fell flat on my face and some of the signs started to come in there during my time at school. I got suspended my senior year from the hockey team over a resentment issue, essentially. Um, you know, I, he's not playing me enough. You know, um, he doesn't think much of me um, failing to see the bigger picture. And, and so I really think like, like the metaphor I'd use is like, I was going through this, um, you know, amusement park and I was like, if I get on these rides, it's going to make me a sick person, you know, but I want to go on these rides, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, I want to, I want to bang a hundred girls. Uh, well, I, the way I would say it to myself, and I really believe this was, I want to fall in love a thousand times, you know, mm -hmm. well, I did, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, I didn't sleep with a thousand women, but, uh, I did have a lot of numbers, you know, in terms I fell, they didn't always fall in love with me back kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I, I kind of went in that pursuit after college and, uh, there was an abortion involved. Uh, my, my college girlfriend, um, you know, I had several of them, so I think I'm keeping anonymity here, but there, you know, there, one of them was, uh, there was an abortion involved and, um, yeah. And there was some part of me that was like, I'm supposed to be really selfish for the next few years. And there's just no way I can have a kid in tow. And she was amenable to that. And it was like, I knew that I was going to hate myself for it, but I couldn't resist the carnival, mm. you know? And, um, and so I pursued the carnival mm. and I mean, so it was late nights and I, I didn't even know how to talk to women after college. It was like, I was on the hockey team, so they would talk to me, you know? Um, so I learned to drink really after college, um, after I was uh, an athlete. But the sick stuff was already there, the resentment, the why not me, the victim mentality of like, you know, I'm getting looked over, you know, it's somebody else, somebody else is screwing me over kind of thing. And um, I was lucky to get out of it alive, you know. Um, so long story short, uh, you know, in my early 30s, I finally, uh, I have a family history of, you know, alcoholism and addiction. And 
uh, and by the grace of God, <laughs> pretty much everybody uh, in my immediate family has found the 12 steps. Mm. And I mean, like, it's so this, it's this fringe. So I grew up around it. My dad was sober growing up, but he didn't really hit it hard until I left home at 16. And he was, he was just retiring and he started doing more meetings and sponsoring guys and really living it. And, uh, you know, like really getting in touch with this really great spiritual self, you know, um, that's so good that you wouldn't want to dirty, dirty it up with, with a drink or with uh, diminishment or delusion at all. Um, so I saw that these things worked. Um, but by then I was, I was really, I was really way too smart for that kind of thing. Um, you know, I was like, you know, I, I knew, I thought I knew it, what the 12 step rooms were and those fellowships and, and, uh, but man, luckily it got so bad for me at one point where I just, I, I, I switched to weed for the last like six weeks or so. Uh, I was able to get off of booze, but I needed weed as kind of like a, uh, almost like a rehab, like a weed have kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, but then I realized I was doing the same exact thing with weed. And I was like, why isn't life going better for me? You know, it's supposed to, I don't think I deserve it to, but like, I'm going to die. If I keep doing this, I'm going to do something balls to the wall. I was doing hockey in school balls to the wall. And then it was booze and women. And, and now it's, and then it's weed. And, and I was like, I need something else to grab a hold of, or I'm going to, I'm going to fucking die. Right. Right. <laughs> and, um, and I knew that regardless of what I thought of myself and maybe it would be relief to have that kind of thing. There was enough pain in my life at that point where, um, I, I just, I, I saw my family and that was like my, uh, the thing that kept me stable, you know, when I was getting the spins and I was like, they would be devastated if I left, you know? And so I, I can't, I know that regardless of what I, th- and all the, the stuff that your programming does, you're a piece of shit. You're not good enough. You should die. The kind of things you've done, they don't, spe- it doesn't specify what it is that I've done. You know, mm-hmm. I had to dig in to the work to do that, to find mm-hmm. those things out. And they're so silly, <laughs> you know, it's like, um, but yeah, to get to a place where I was able to go to an AA meeting and say, I, th- I don't think I want to belong here, but I think I might need to try this out for a bit just to see, cause I, look, I, I'm going crazy. I can tell, I can't keep my lies straight of who I am to each person. Mm. I have no idea who I am. Like, I didn't mm. even know that. Um, but I can't keep my lies straight anymore. And I think alcohol and weed is involved. And I think I'm just going to skip to another thing if I don't, if I don't get in there and, and get underneath this stuff and find out what's really going on. And yeah, like, like you're in a, a downward spiral or a, a death spin, if you will. And exactly. I'm not sure if you can pull out of this. Oh my God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you, you spoke of your, your, your dad, but what was your relationship with your old man and your mom growing up? Good. Great. Was actually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so they, they probably, you know, they didn't have, they both came from, my dad came from a working class, poor Canadian family. My, my mom came from um, kind of like a, a kind of a richer family in Cherry Hills. Um, and her dad was uh, built St. Mary's High School. He was a builder, uh, construction company, but he was a drunk. Um, and so, you know, so she grew up in that alcoholic household, big Irish Catholic family with a lot of tension. And, um, but they found each other. And I think it was kind of like marrying each other's parents kind of thing. And, um, they loved each other for what they knew love to be. And, and then they were able to, my dad, uh, stopped drinking because he had cirrhosis. I was born. I got two big sisters. So they, you know, they were, they saw him a little bit drunk sometimes. Um, I never have, it was before I was born. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but he was dry as they call it. Like he wasn't changing at all. He was the same miserable guy that a few beers would actually kind of sweeten up a little bit, mm. you know, a few dozen beers or whatever, but he couldn't have alcohol or he'd be like violently ill. So my mom was like, I'm done with this guy and um, met a, an amazing human being uh, shortly after that. My stepdad um, who I just had him on first episode of my podcast today nice. that I filmed and nice. he's this incredible guy. Um, and yeah, so we really lucked out in that, but because of my dad took that and was like, I need to go and get help. Like I can't stand myself either. No wonder she left. And I need to go to a place where I can figure out a way to have a better relationship with myself or I'm going to go crazy. Mm. And I got these three young kids and what am I doing? Mm. And so he doubled down on the 12 steps and being like, okay, maybe I do need, maybe I'm sicker than everybody. Mm -hmm. And that surrender led to everything, you know, in my, in my family to kind of start to get healthy. You know, uh, my mom ended up having um, some issues. She went through a 12 step program. My stepdad has been through a 12 step program. And both of my sisters. Um, and yeah, like, so it was child, child it was a child centered divorce. My, <laughs> we do one Christmas still, you know, like everybody comes together. Wow. My dad makes jokes <laughs> about, you know, how it all goes, you know, it's, uh, you know, and so like, that's like a great outcome compared to what it could have been. And yet right. I think I picked something up in there along the way. I was, I was, my earliest memory was I realized my parents weren't in love with each other anymore. And I knew it, and that, but I was two and a half. And six months later, when they finally separated, I think I took responsibility for it or something. And, um, you know, like I had some kind of limiting belief, like maybe I don't deserve to be alive, but I can't die either. So I need to figure out, you know, I need to be a step ahead of the next thing. So um, I really tried to figure out, I think, why this happened and then, make sure I knew everybody's secrets. And like, so I, I could, I could help them not fall apart is really what, how I thought about it. Mm -hmm. So that set me on a path to being a life coach. <laughs> I didn't know it at the time and I didn't even know it, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, but it's a strange thing to become one of these things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. But it comes out of the, the wounding that, you know, of your past, right. A lot of times mm -hmm. this desire and same with mine in terms of becoming a, a life coach, but it's, uh, Pretty powerful. So you think that initial wounding two and a half, three years old from your parents splitting up was where a lot of this insecurity and, and victimhood came from? I think so. That's the only thing I can make sense of it with, you know, like every good limiting belief is usually like, like 90% true, mm -hmm. you know, like if you want to tell a good lie, you got to make it, you got to lead with the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, but then there's this like rotten piece on the inside and it just, it's like it passes all the, the all the BS detectors internally, but it just rots you from the core. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it was along those lines. I'm not worthy of love. Love would never lower itself for me. So I need to earn my keep if I'm going to stick around because I can't leave because it'll hurt people. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm going to need to earn my keep and go crazy achieving and stuff, you know. And along the way, there were other things, you know, like I, I vandalized when I was a teenager. I, I got caught stealing. I stole all the time before I got caught. Uh, I had all these things that kind of showed I was living this dual life, you know, and luckily um, it didn't, I mean, luckily, I don't even know. It, it didn't get me off the path to being, you know, to have this, you know, it was a division one hockey player, you know, scholar athlete, you know, kind of thing. But I, I, there were hundreds of times that I could have totally derailed it and I didn't have drugs and alcohol around. That was a, a godsend or else maybe I really would have derailed all of it and maybe not survived. I barely survived as it was, you know, nearly drank myself to death hundreds of times, you know? 
Well, I feel like that was, again, what's great about your story. Well, not great, but I think it's fascinating is that I do talk to a lot of guys and similar to my own story where they didn't have much relationship with dad. You know, they didn't have great mentorship. They didn't have great coaches. They didn't have, there was a ma- obviously a, a massive void. And then when I talked to you, you're like, no, my childhood was great. I had, you know, dad, stepdad, mom, this like a lot of, but it's, it goes to show that even if things look good on the outside, there can still be that rotten core, which wasn't, isn't the, the essence of true you. It just was something that was planted in you, a, a limiting belief, like you said, or a, a toxic belief when you were a little guy, right? Mm. But that when it wasn't handled, mushroomed into, you know, self-destructive behavior, right? Well, so, and I, I sit in rooms with people regularly still today, you know, where, I mean, they talk about the worst of the worst types of things happening to them, mm. you know, and then they also survive because of this freaking miracle of the steps and, you know, a group of people who would facilitate you going through it, um, you know, but I'm like, I'm like, oh, I had a divorce, you know, child centered divorce where we got two Christmases and everybody loves each other still. And, you know, it's like, you almost feel bad, but it's like, no, this thing affects you know, the, the spiritual dis-ease, the lack of really knowing who you are, not feeling right, feeling like a square peg in a round hole. It's almost universal. I mean, I, I would say it must be universal, but there, there might be some unicorns out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, so many, I mean, so many of the people I talk to both in those rooms, but then now, you know, clientele wise, it is very common that they've had, you know, at least, a, I mean, it, at least a strain with one of their parents. If not, they didn't even have a relationship with one, you know, or they died early or um, I, there's a lot of other terrible things, but you know, it, it really begins at home. And so it's like, where are my models? Right. You know? And, um, and I, you know, the, I thought I only had two choices, you know, and which is a dilemma. Two choices is a, is a dilemma, mm-hmm. which is either, you know, like be a school teacher, like my mom or be a school teacher, like my dad you know? And, um, and I was like, well, and I, and I tried things like that and it just felt like prison, you know? Um, it was, you know, my dad was a hockey coach. So I tried that. I, that's really kind of, you know, I loved working with people. Um, you know, it also was a great, uh, career to be a drunken. <laughs> you're at the, at the arena around, you know, breathing fire breath on kids but they don't know they're like you smell like my uncle you know yeah, yeah, uh like right. probably a cool guy <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, exactly. yeah. yeah yeah so it was like i was limited i thought that that was the only choice where you know a choice is there's at least three options mm-hmm. and the other one is like well who's doing who seems like the happiest person you know who interests you the most and what are they doing for a living you know and that's really kind of where it doesn't matter when you ask yourself those questions or under what circumstances, right. You can start going in that direction anytime, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm 38 and, you know, I feel like I just, I've got this whole new life in front of me because I've got a, I know that I have a calling and so many people don't even know that they probably have a calling. Um, you know, they, they might, there might be some clues. There's always clues. Uh, but then to be able to know what my calling is and then to actually do it as a career where I get to, like I get to do it all day, you know, is, uh, I mean, it's incredible for the most part. Right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. But it's sometimes hard to, to get clear. I think a lot of people do feel that the, the pull of that heartstring of like a calling and yet they have no idea what it'd be, nor do they feel like, uh, 
they could even grab a hold of that string if they even wanted to, you know, because right. to your point, they're such a victim to, and this is, again, it's not like, um, well, I won't even go down that tangent, but I was like, it's such, they're such a victim to their self, you know, loathing, their self deprecating, uh, you know, behavior and self-talk that they, they would never be able to fully believe in themselves to even find that purpose. Right. And it kind of sounds mm-hmm. like you were very much there as well, where like you, you, you took on such of that, like, I'm such a piece of shit that there's no way in hell that I could ever be someone that helps shape the lives of others. Because look, I can't even, I had all this, it's almost like you, because of your childhood and, and things were pretty damn great that you buried yourself even more. Cause you were like, I, how did I fuck up so much when I should be such a better person because look at all the abundance I have, let's say, and the love and the, the parenting. But I think that just goes to show why I love your stories that like, we have to let go of that judgment and, and the story we have about like why we shouldn't should or shouldn't be dealing with the issues that we're dealing with. Like if you're dealing with issues and you feel stuck or you feel a, a sense of unworthiness um, or like you are a victim, like things have got to change. You just have to accept that of where you are right now and start to, to shift in, in a good way. So having said that, that was going back to your story. That was, was that moment for you when you kind of went in there and was like, uh, I don't know if I should be here or, but I can tell this is not going in the right direction. So maybe at least I'll take this, take this in. Was that kind of one of the defining moments or did that still take some more dominoes falling before you finally were ready for that? 12 steps and the, and the lessons you learned through that. My first meeting was really kind of the whole uh, ball of wax where really the center point of like this new chapter um, or the, the end, the book end. And, and it was to just get there, you know, to, to have, <laughs> I did not have a lot of humility. You know, yeah. the, what I thought humility was, was like pridefully beating the shit out of myself, you know um, which is not humility. That's pride. You know, it's just the underbelly of pride. Right. Um, you know, and so I thought I, you know, I licked alcohol. I thought I was like, oh, it's been six weeks without a drink. I'll never drink again. You know, but I'm, I, I, I came to see, and actually there was uh, an intervention for somebody close to me that I care about that I showed up to. And that was the first day I was sober, mm. you know, like that, that's my sobriety date, which is coming up here in January. Mm. Um, you know, like, and the, and, the, and the thing about that too is, is like, I, I didn't remember until I was like seven months in meetings. And like, I remember I was sitting in a meeting and somebody said something and I was like, huh? Cause you hear these amazing stories told, you know, these amazing truths that you're like, I can't believe somebody is saying that out loud. This is incredible. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? It's worth the dollar that they suggest that you put in the, the pot. Yeah. And, um, and I remembered seven months in that I tried to smoke weed my, I could, I, I ran myself out of weed on purpose, but I tried to smoke weed that first night sober, mm. you know, um, like I, I broke into a friend's apartment. I knew he had a, a vape pen. I watched a YouTube tutorial on how to like MacGyver a cell phone charger and like recharge this, this dead vape pen with, uh, with weed vapes in it. And, and I was hitting this thing, like it had the cure to cancer in it, man. And it just, it didn't hit. And I was, and I was white knuck. I was like two in the morning and I was in a fight with the, the girlfriend at the time. And, you know, I was just a crazy person, absolute crazy person. Cause all the stuff I was using to suppress was all coming all, you know, it was gone. So all the stuff was coming back out and it was just, 
it was so loud in my head. And, and, you know, the research I've done since then points, you know, your brain is unhealthy and it's misfiring. You got parts that are active that are not supposed to be active. You got parts that are supposed to be active that are not, you've got not enough blood flow. And it sounds like you've got a concert hall of assholes just screaming at you, you know, um, you know, the ring of fire, they call it. Uh, it's, it's like your whole brain is on fire uh, from too much activity. So I didn't have stuff to put those things to night night. And, um, you know, so I didn't even remember that for seven months that I tried to, I was taking credit. I was like, oh yeah, I'm the man. I got this. I'm going to like fly through these steps and I'm going to be, you know, teaching this stuff, you know, to you guys back to you someday. And it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, I just continue the only, I don't even know how much credit I get except for somehow I got myself to a ton of meetings and, and something started to happen, you know, and it's like, nobody's in charge, you know, at those programs, like they're literally like, it's just the steps and the principles behind them. And, and um, they're just left there for anybody. And they, they try not to change the literature uh, from 85 years ago. And I'm going through this stuff, you know, and I, I have a good brain uh, when it's healthy. <laughs> and, um, and I was going through this stuff and I, and I was having these massive experiences. And I was like, this is better than the booze. This is better than the drugs. It's better than the sex and the money and the power and everything I was pursuing. Uh, and, I, and I went hard, you know, but, it, and it all started in that first meeting. I was like, I was sitting there thinking I knew what AA was, but I just needed, I was like, I cannot take another night uh, trying to do this alone. You know, I, I will be, I was writhing under the sheets with how much noise there was in my head. And, and um. So I'm sitting in that meeting and everybody's is telling this story about, I mean, they were telling me my story back to me. I was like, how do you know what's really going on? I thought it was an alien on this planet, you know, like one of a kind, like not in a good way. And everybody's saying the same thing again and again. Um, yeah. And I, like, these are all like these crazy things. Like you, you don't hear these kind of stories. It's very rare for somebody to come in and then stay sober the whole time, which right. is what happened for me. Um, you know, I got a, I got a sponsor. I, I talked to a guy, he, he beelined it to me after the meeting, he became my sponsor. I got his phone number. I was trying to leave, you know, before the prayer. Cause I wasn't into any of that stuff. And that was the other thing I'm looking up at the 12 steps and it mentions God and higher power. And I was like, God, no, <laughs> like that was my first prayer. Like, please God don't let no. Like I, I forgot that I thought I knew AA and it, you know, and, or the 12 steps. And, and I didn't even remember that, like, it's, it's a spiritual program, you know, and they do use that word because if you like, that's the last word I was ever going to contend with. Yeah. And I was at that place in life where it was time to contend with that. And I just made a deal with myself, um, which was, uh, and I think that this would apply, this would be, this could be a model for other people in terms of trying something new, if something's not going right for them. And, it, and I think it works for anything. Um, I concluded that my thinking, my best thinking had got me where I was sitting to completely miserable, um, that it wasn't my thinking that was going to do it. I saw that people around me had been where they, they got my trust because they told me about what it was like. And I absolutely believed them. A lot of it was worse than what I experienced, but it was similar inside. Um, and, and I was like, I'm going to try this as hard as I can. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in any of this stuff. Um, I don't believe it's going to happen to me. And if God was real, he, she, it would not be interested in me and what I'm bringing to the table, you know? So I'm just going to do this as hard as I can so that when it doesn't work for me, I'm going to move out to a beach. Like I saw in a movie one time <laughs> and 
I'm going to, and I'll drink myself to death off the grid. And I'll, I'll love that. Cause I've never gotten a drink. Like I really wanted, even though I died or halfway died almost all the time, almost yeah. every night, yeah. you know, I never just got to do it completely uninhibited without, you know, responsibilities within a day or two. Right. So I was like, that's what I'll do, but I'm going to do this as hard as I fucking can. And and see what happens so that I can go out and say, well, hey, it doesn't work. I tried it as hard as I could. Mm-hmm. And every time I came to one of those crossroads where it was either drink or do the next thing that they suggested. And there was always another thing that you could that you could do. You could call somebody. You could pray to a God you didn't believe in. You could read the book. You could go to another meeting like you could go help somebody. Um, I just never ran out of those things to do. And, and I, you know, there were parts, you'd almost say like I was trying to relapse, you know, through certain parts of the work, but you, it was a first, it was a first, you know, pull away of, of what was going on. And the stuff that I found underneath it, I was like, I can't believe this is hidden in the gutters of society. You know, thank God it's somewhere, you know, but like, I was not, I had this big, beautiful brain and I never used it to investigate what was really going on because I, I was not handed that, that toolkit. I got it in the 12 steps. And so, you know, the, you know, one of the reasons I'm doing what I'm doing today is like the people who are dying will, will end up in those places. They'll end up in the gutter. And before they wash away, sometimes they get caught on by these other people trying to catch them, you know, in these meetings. And I was like, okay, this works for the biggest like addictions. These are the worst things that people, and everybody has addictions, but like, these are like some of the most like measurably worst things that can ever happen to a person. Yeah. And yet it works for that. So why can't it work for somebody who's mildly depressed or, you know, sick of being stuck on a couch watching Netflix, you know, not even enjoying the shows, but just like, it's what we're, what's the next thing we haven't binge watched yet, you know, mm-hmm. eating, whatever, not pursuing the thing that they want, but being comfortable enough, barely not to. So to me, I was like, that pain level does exist in, in everybody. Um, and I want to tap into that. You know, I think that's what it was to me fascinating about what we've talked about, you know, off episode and, and during this, you know, podcast as well, is just that like the, the 12 step program, there's such power in it. There's a, there's, as you've described it to me, an underlying transformation system that not a lot of people actually know about unless you struggle with, you know, some of these massive addictions. So for those people who, and, and I feel like for a lot of my life, I was there where I could always go back and be like, well, I'm not addicted to this and I don't do this and I don't do this, but I still was living a life that was so mediocre compared to what I know. I felt like I had the potential of achieving, but I needed some type of system or, uh, some way to kind of hack the, the knowledge of, of successful people. And ultimately it kind of led myself to, to Tony Robbins. And I know you're a huge fan as well. Um, but what do you feel like are some of those things that even if someone's listening to this and, and they're, they've not struggled with alcoholism, but they struggle with workaholism, right. Or they've lost that spark in their relationship, or they feel like um, they should be so much happier than they really are. What do you feel like are some of those bigger underlying principles of the 12 step program that you feel like are applicable to anyone and everyone? That's a great question. Um, I've really kind of been on that pursuit and, you know, I feel like I, so I went what I did after I had this huge experience in the 12 steps and I started sponsoring other people through it, not well, to be honest with you at the early goings, because I was still, 
not very healthy. I was very, so much healthier than I was, but I still had, you know, I, I had terrible finances. I didn't have, I had a career that was not right for me. I was great at it, but it was, I was stuck in it. Um, you know, I, I was getting out of a relationship that, um, gosh, she was a great human being, but we just did not click, you know, um, the, as I started to get healthier, it was like, we, we, we got into a sick relationship when I was sick kind of thing. And I made it sick. Mm-hmm. So like my life was in <laughs> like, uh, like utter, uh, like utter shreds, but there were a couple parts that had miraculously like come back from the dead. And so I was like, where else is this happening? You know, can I apply this? You know, and my sponsor was helpful. There's other people that are helpful. You can go through the steps multiple times with people. They'll do it for free um, with those other areas, you know? Um, and I was like, okay, great. I, I want to see, well, to be honest with you, this is another thing. Like <laughs> I was about to take credit for it. You know, somebody in AA brought me to church and I was like, so anti-religious because I just had this huge spiritual awakening. I got to know a real interactive God of reality that was working on my behalf all of the time, you know, forgiving me, loving me, not even seeing me in my faults, just seeing me completely whole and like giving me anything that I asked for, including like, you know, boatloads of booze, you know, but it was just like, whatever I'd asked for, it was just like giving me these things. Um, so I was like, you know, what is Christianity? What is, what is church? What does any religion have on me? I'm having this experience. I'm going to go and see what they're having over there. So I went in there, of course, just super pompous. And, um, and my friend was like, um, I mean, it was, I was single and she was a hot girl. So that was all, all it took, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I was in there and she was like, let's leave after the, after the music or before the music. Cause you know, I was like, good. Yeah. Christian music, terrible. Like never, I listen to it all the time now. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> same, same. Um, yeah. And I, I was, and they, the preacher talked about, I was at Red Rocks church. Um, and for some reason, this is a Jesus church. It's a big church in here in Denver. Um, maybe the biggest, second biggest. And the pastor was talking about Moses, not Jesus. And I was like, so I didn't know that they talk about Jesus every other Sunday, every, you know, 65 million times. But, yeah. and I was like, oh, Moses is like my sponsor. And, you know, so I just, I began to see that this was like another transformation system. And I was like, so I was getting it like intellectually, like, oh, you know, cause I got this big obsessive brain, you know, and I was like, oh, this is, it's the same thing. Okay. This is why it's successful. And I'm starting to, you know, the, the parting of the seas was like the, the, the 12, the miracle of the 12 steps that leads you out of, you know, in insanity and, and slavery into your heart, you know, into freedom, into love, forgiveness. Um, and I was like, I was like, cool, I'll, I'll definitely come back here. And then for some reason we stayed for the first song and this dude was talking, it was great music. <laughs> I was not expecting that it was a live band. Yep. And, uh, and it was like talking about a love that overcame the grave. And again, like I'm very anti all this stuff, but all, you know, I didn't want to hear the Jesus stuff. Like they're not smart people is what I was thinking, you know, <laughs> but this love that overcame the grave. I just, I had this immediate flash back to a moment where I was drowning in a toilet one night about, you know, I don't know, three or four years prior to that. And I was, I was on drugs that night, um, which usually I was really not really a drug guy, like not the hard stuff, just a friend had it. And I was like, sure. And because I was on drugs, because I really love to drink, I was able to drink like twice as much, which can kill a person, you know? Um, and so I, all of a sudden about 4am, I started like just puking. Like I was like, Oh, I feel normal. 
Um, but I had like alcohol poisoning. So I get into the restroom and, and, uh, yeah. And I'm like nodding off it, like, you know, like it's all hazy, but, um, at some point in there, I, I go face forward into the toilet and, and I had this spiritual experience and I was somewhere else, you know, and it reminded me of, um, there's this scene in, I think it's the second matrix, the originals, the original three and mm-hmm. where Neo had like the main character has this moment where he, he kind of, uh, he has a, a huge spiritual experience and then he like dies or something, uh, collapses and he goes like, he's like in a coma, I think. And he goes to this like, um, subway system. He's, he's like in a subway, but no trains are coming. And he's like trapped in this subway. And I, that's where I was. I was in this subway type of thing, but there was something else there with me. And it was like, it was, it was, I could sense that it felt all of the pain that I was feeling. Hmm. And I was like, wait, 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 like, wait, I know what this is. Like, is this, is this, is it over? Is, did I just, am I dying? Am I dying? Like, and it was like, I'm afraid so. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I swear to God, I'm trying to be a good person. Like I work with kids. Like my family is going to be devastated. Like, it will destroy my family. You can't let this happen. And it was like, I'm afraid I don't have any power here. And I was like, I, 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 no, like, and the next thing I know, I was getting pulled out by my buddy and, and, you know, came to and like coughed up this water. And he said, I was like gray, you know, and so I don't know. I mean, I, 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 and I had no place to put that. So at the end of that thing, I was like the insanity of where I was at. I was like the, the next day I drank again <laughs> or the next night. And I was like, I'll just never do drugs like that again. You know, I'll just never do the powders. So anyway, I had that flashback while I was standing in church, like with a love that overcame the grave, like something was <laughs> like something was fucking there with me, you know, like it didn't want me to die. It was fighting for me. It, it, it was feeling all of my pain for me. So I didn't have to, you know, and I never understood the metaphors of like this character of Jesus or anything like that, you know, and I, I just, it was never a three-dimensional figure, you know, and all of a sudden it was like, this is what I, at that moment, I realized that's what's happening in the 12 step rooms, a real living thing that's inside of you. That's with you. That's being crucified with your pain to save you from it kind of thing, you know, and way more than like the average person I was encountering who, who claimed that kind of stuff. And, or at least so I thought, you know, so anyway, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm I'm just yapping at you right now, but this was like this, this whole, Oh wait, this happens here. And I, I could go there and I could stand in the music and I'd go, I went alone, like that girl and I didn't go again. <laughs> you know, she found, um, she found her husband, you know, shortly after, which is great. But I, she brought me to that church and I started going and crying at that church regularly. And then my whole life started to change. Mm-hmm. And about two years later, I met my wife, you know, she was a member of that church. <laughs> it was our first date. I didn't know that she was a member of that church. I took her to that church, you know, what a, like, that's you know like that's a big 180 there um totally and uh and then i started going to tony robbins after that you know after i got married i was like i left this super high-paying job in in uh, vail it was like you know in the industry i was in and coaching hockey it's like a career get you know like once you get that you don't want to give it up kind of thing yeah and uh it was the right money it was the right place it was you know um it had all this meaning i'd given up dating i'd given up um every I was trying to get off of like jerking off and all of this stuff and Mm -hmm. and then I met my wife I was like 
my wife was introduced to me, you know, and it was like, I would never, anyway. So all these things started to happen. And, and as soon as we got married, you know, I left that stuff. I knew it was the wrong, as soon as I got to the, the paramount of it, I was like, this is the wrong lane for me to be in. And I need to find myself again. And, wow. um, and that's what led me to Tony Robbins. And, um, I, I, and then again, these big rooms where I was having big experiences with people just like me. Mm. And it gave me the permission to understand that everybody is going through this cycle. I was dying of it fast. And these people are dying of it slow and we want to fucking live. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So it, it, And I love the, the, quote this right to your right um and for those of you that aren't watching the, the video here it says a hero willingly confronts danger first in himself then in the world which is a lot of obviously probably why you why it resonates with you to put up in your house but that's that is a lot of your story right just just diving into the danger from within uh and now it's obviously something that you're supporting other people yeah well and, and it's not it's like it's more of like a call to being a hero it's not like hey like, uh, here's the hero. Like, that's really, it's more like an aspiration, you know? And um, when I do this work, strange heroic things happen. Sometimes even it seems like supernatural things happen. I don't really know how to place that except for I know that it happens. Mm. And, you know, and, and working with other people, walking with them in integrity as they're going through these, these practices of, you know, I mean, a lot of people have been doing this, this kind of work for a long time, but now we have all this information at our fingertips that, you know, it's the information age. And so if you're not, if you don't have the information, you know, I think you age, I think is the way that goes, but um, you know, yeah. So it's like, I just, I'm just on fire to get into this work. And then, and I just see that I have an enthusiasm about it or something that I think helps other people walk through it too. Um, Cause it's daunting. It's terrifying, you know, to go and face those things. It really is. And, and that's the, the challenge is that <clears throat> there are, you know, for me, at least in my story, uh, there's the initial ahas, the, the huge rocks. I was like, oh my gosh. But then it, then it tends to be smaller and smaller rocks, you know, but, but there's always new things to focus on, new things to tweak and to improve and to, um, and I think that's just maybe the, the human condition and the journey that we're all on, you know, and that's why I am, a huge proponent of always having a coach uh, and why I believe so much in coaching. And I think maybe you're the, the same way because we all need support. We all need people to, to help look at uh, our blind spots and be able to call us out on things or call us into uh, growth and healing. And I think the, the 12 steps for you is a great place to start. And I think it's a great place to help uh, lean on for those that, like we were saying before, aren't, alcoholics or aren't but but they're just not happy they're not they're not uh, really truly dialed into their greatest version of themselves because that inner self-talk that little voice that either chirps or like you said you say a ring of fire like just that whole chorus that screams at you can be so debilitating mm -hmm. that it can rob you of a life of fulfillment in my opinion you know mm -hmm. so, I, I have a question for you like so in your work like recently you know, I, in doing the work, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like there are some big rocks left in here, you know, and I'm years into this thing now and, and I do it with other people, mm -hmm. but yeah, like it was, it was actually from a challenge that you gave me. And, um, and I was like, oh my God, of course I still have this thing in my bag. And I didn't even realize that I'd been carrying it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, 
and like how good it feels to like get that up and out, you know, like, Oh my God. And how strong, you know, I mean, one of the benefits of like <laughs> carrying around these things are it makes you crazy strong. Yeah. You know, from all that suffering that you've been enduring and how good you yeah. feel when you can give it up. Mm. Um, mm. Have you ever had a moment like that where like, yeah, you get the big rocks and then like the little ones, but where you're like, wait a minute, this is a, another big rock. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we talked about it uh, earlier this year for me, or I should say now last year, because it's 2022, we talked about it. And I think something that a lot of guys really struggle with is that anger, that, that repression of the anger and how that keeps us apathetic and numb. That was a major, major rock because I've seen how that shows up. It's the nice guy tendencies, right? And, and then with the nice guy tendencies comes a lot of resentment, you know, um, and with the resentment then turns into anger, but I don't let the anger out, which then turns into numbness and I'm either rageful or I'm, I don't give a fuck about anything. You know, <laughs> I see that in that yeah. cycle of how that shows up in so many of my relationships over the years to the point where, just recently going out on a, on a date, you know, a gal asked me like, well, why are you still single? And a lot of times I was like, Oh, I'm just picky and all that stuff. Or I wouldn't even say that. I just like, I, I have high standards when in reality, and, and this was the first time I actually shared it with someone like, well, do you want the short answer? Or do you want the in-depth answer? And she's like the in-depth. And I got to tell her that huge rock that my coach, Christine and I really unearthed, which is what I challenged you on is to let some of that anger out is uh, was what, honestly, it was like, oh, I, and that really kind of came back to more of a mother wound that I didn't realize. I thought I had kind of handled all this stuff. So that's why I like, I'll work with a coach. If it's a really good coach, I'll work for a coach for maybe a year to about 18 months. And then I usually need like a fresh perspective with a new coach. So mm -hmm. that's the beautiful part is that I, I think people who, I don't know, honestly, the, the, the coaches that I have paid a lot for they continue to give me, I mean, they're worth their money in, in gold because they give me new, new perspectives to things that I thought I was good on. But as long as there's, as long as life's not going the way that I really would like it to, or I'm not as fulfilled as I'd like to, then there's more work to be done. So that, mm. that is to answer your question, one of the bigger rocks that I've discovered more recently, that's been there my entire life, you know, that if I had not stepped into that, man, I'd, I'd be running the same programs and probably continuing to mess up intimate relationships going forward, you know? So yeah. that was a pretty powerful one. And I think that's, again, the nice thing about being a coach and being coached is that I then saw some of me and you and vice versa and be like, you know what, this might be it. And you were like that, I think that, that is it, you know? And, and I think that did start the cascade of you stepping up and then going to some other personal development stuff that I suggested you doing and working on your relationship with, your, your word, your sense of integrity, right? Don't let me put words in your mouth, but then how that impacted your relationship with your wife and friends. Mm -hmm. And it just starts to ripple out. Right. Oh, well, like, and I, I had this experience. I mean, I'll share it. Um, yeah. you know, I caught myself. Yeah. You challenged me to go to, uh, the seminar that's right here in town mm -hmm. and it's like a mom and pop kind of seminar. They're not like a big Tony Robbins, you know, like uh, you know, laser disco light show, like condition you until three in the morning until you're just exhausted. And then they're like, now you're going to be great. You know, yeah, yeah. this is like, we're going to be done at eight because you know, we are reasonable human beings and <laughs> yeah. right here in town, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, word of mouth advertising, just yeah. sensational. But there's this big Saturday night event that is kind of about like, um, how are you, how are, how is it that you're doing life? You know, um, 
what game are you playing kind of thing. Um, and, and I, uh, <laughs> and it's kind of a game that goes on, you know, for, you're supposed to let it take you for a while. And, and um, in the middle of that, I went from that event to a Christmas party to pick up my wife and my baby daughter. Uh, or I had dinner first with some of the folks and then went over there. And, and um, I was supposed to grab food for my daughter, Zaya. And my wife asked me, she had, we have baby food, but she was just getting into like the real human food. And mm -hmm. so I was supposed to order something and the service like wasn't super great, but like this lie started to brew mm -hmm. and I was exhausted at the end of this. And I was like psychologically, spiritually, like phew, maxed Absolutely. and like seeing ugly stuff. And like, and then in the middle of all of that, I got to this, uh, this party to pick up my wife and she's like, where's the food? Uh, and I was like, oh, we ordered it, but it never came because the service was so bad. Like there was a truth, like the service was not great. So there was something there. Every time I thought of it, the like, guy wasn't there and it was, you know, but it just like came out and I was like quasi conscious that it was even being put together in preparation for that moment. Mm -hmm. And the look on her face of like, not just disappointment that I didn't say that I would follow through on doing what I said for our daughter but she knew that I was lying. I don't know if she's ever told a lie as far as I, as far as I know, you know, um, and I'm a, you know, former addict. So it was just, I had to lie to make sure nobody really saw me. Cause I'd have yeah. to kill myself if yeah. she did. Yeah. And so like this little white lie, I went to bed that night without addressing it thinking like, Oh, I'll be fine. It's not a big deal. I had a lot, I've got a lot going on, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and the next morning I woke up sick to my stomach and this little thought was like, oh, surely this couldn't be about this lie that you told. And so I was in the middle of this seminar and I was able to like workshop that. And I, I got on the microphone in front of everybody and I told them about it. And the persona that I had there, people were like impressed with me, you know, and they're, they were shocked that I would, that I would lie to my wife. And I was like, you know, that little white lie says everything that you need to know about me, yeah. you know, which is I'm terrified of what my wife would say if she like, there's a fear underneath there of like, I'm really just a terrible human being and I'm a taker and uh, I'm completely self-absorbed, self-centered. And, and as soon as she sees that she's going to want to divorce me. Mm. And it's like this perspective, this program that just runs. And this is the terrifying thing that really came up, which is to me is like this big rock of like, I've got a, I've got a program running when I'm not present which is a lot of the time, you know, right, right. all the stuff that we do in coaching is a lot about being present, right. You know, or making something from the past present to deal with it and then move on from it. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and so I, I you know, I, I had to go and take that to my wife and be like, I'm out of integrity with you. Um, because I'm out of integrity with myself and there was other stuff involved. And so I came clean on every lie that I could think of. Um, and it was nasty stuff. You know, the stuff that I'm so afraid of her saying to me, like, you're a disgusting little pervert that is beneath lovability, mm -hmm. you know? And like that shit runs in my head. Like I got tingles as I said it, cause there's something in there that mm -hmm. is a poison that my body, that, that my being likes for some reason. Mm -hmm. So that, that was massive, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, and I, and I, you know, I think that being willing to be, I, <laughs> so much of my life was a lie. I just had this fantasy that like, I could just be this person who had no secret anymore. Like I could just say it all out loud. I could talk about the abortion. I could talk about everything, you know, um, in a way that it, I didn't have the, it didn't have its hooks in me of that victim story anymore. 
um, you know, or a victimizer story. Like I, it wasn't, I had moved to a deeper place of like, I just watched myself. I was a sick person when I had it. I was stuck in my personality with limited options. And now I'm like in that spiritual place more of the time watching these thoughts come and go and not having to attach myself to things. And I mean, the, the relationship since then, Johnny, I don't think I've shared this with you because I, I think it's been a couple of weeks since we talked, but like the relationship that I have back with my wife now, you know, like, first of all, she didn't divorce me. She stopped dead in our tracks. We were on a walk and she just came and held me, you know? And um, yeah, I mean, and the, the, the closeness that we have now, uh, like we're, we're laughing again. It was like me cutting it short of like, it's like a governor on an engine, you know, like I, it just was like, nope, once you hit 75, it just doesn't go. It just like slows you down, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and I was not letting myself get to that really good stuff, you know? And, and yeah, it's like, I wasn't letting my, cause it's like, there was something deep down and it was, it was quasi conscious. Now that I can look back and see it, I, I couldn't see it at the time. It was like suppressing for fear, but now I can look back and realize like there were little micro decisions happening in all of those moments where, I just was being a robot around her, yeah. you know, instead of just being present with her, being with her, let, you know, joking, you know, busting her balls, you know, letting her bust mine. It was like, I, I couldn't, I was not allowed to bust her balls because, well, I'm a dirty little piece of shit who, mm. you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so yeah, just breaking that programming, but it's terrifying to discover that and to really witness your brain, your mind trying to shape a narrative for some historical reason, mm. you know, and where is this happening in my life? And fucking, so thank you. You are <laughs> the money that I pay. Every time I get off the a conversation with you, I'm like, I, how much value did I get? It's not just a hundred percent, but it's like, what would I pay for this to, what does this open up for me? You know, and having that experience of having this relationship with my wife, that is, it is the best kind. I've never had anything like this, you know? She hasn't either. Like we are so happy right now, you know, and I just, so thank you for uh, providing value, you know, and helping me keep it simple. Yeah. Uh, I say at the end of a 35 minute diatribe, um, you know, thank <laughs> no, you. Man. Awesome. You're, you're so welcome. And, and you are the ideal client that I want to work with, because again, I, I've had plenty of clients who I have to ultimately fire um, because they don't they think that just putting throwing some money at a problem that I'm, that I'm going to create magic for them. You know, I'm like, no, like the amount of hero and you that is confronting your own inner danger and your own inner demons is really what uh, really makes the value <laughs> a tangible thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's uh, that, that really goes to, to anyone who's listening to is like, man, you can't, you can't just expect to sit down and set a timer and, and meditate for 15 minutes a day or to hire a coach and think that, you know, magic's going to happen. You have to be willing to uh, go balls to the wall. Like you say, in many regards and go all in, be committed to your own personal growth. And typically that requires going into some of the scariest areas, you know, which you did. I mean, you literally, you're like she could divorce me on this or she could leave me and all my fears will be will come true and that's what's so beautiful about the the feminine is that a lot of times in that willingness to be vulnerable and be transparent they don't pull away if anything they step forward and, and hold you and you're like oh 
thank God for, for this type of love. You know, I don't even know if I'm worthy of this, but thank God, right. Yeah. For it. So, man, I give you the credit right back because it takes, uh, it takes a lot of strength and fortitude to be able to step into a lot of the shit that you've been doing. Cause I know when we first started talking and thinking about working together, your marriage, your conversations, your integrity with yourself, a lot of those things were the things that we wanted to, to work through and you're, you're doing it right. So yeah, I have to give you the credit. I just, just <laughs> asked you questions and let you run with it. So, well, and there's a part of me that always fights that stuff. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, when I'm, when I'm working through, you know, what are my, what are my top three things that I want to work with? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I was thinking it was all about business and facilitating me so I could facilitate others better. And, um, but it was like, yeah, that, that extends itself to my marriage. It was like, something's up. And it was like, of course, something's up, mm-hmm. but it was like, I was putting that at number three, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And like, cause I, I didn't have the language for how to, how to even put that into perspective, but like the superpower that you feel that you have when you're walking, you know, when you're walking in integrity with yourself, there's some people out there that might be listening who maybe have told a lie, you know, one time in their life or, or so or so. Right. And um, when you're in integrity with yourself, when you're telling the truth about things that are, you know, inconvenient about everything, if you can, um, you get the self-approval. Yeah. And to me, it like, I mean, I've had a couple moments in my life where I felt self-approval because of that, because I told some massive damning truth. You know, um, I did the work to discover it. And then I told it out loud to a person I may have harmed, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that, and it doesn't hit you immediately. It might take a day, you know, you feel like you're walking out of that conversation about that big, mm-hmm. but it's like, you wake up the next day and you're like, what is all of this strength? You know, <laughs> you just feel, you just feel like you're approving of yourself. And then this is the great thing when you're in self-approval and alignment, like all of the things that you do when you're unhealthy, you just don't do those things. You're not seeking approval elsewhere. You're not going to chase it down from your wife and too many sorries and playing the nice guy and stuffing my anger because she, I owe her for all, you know, her taking a, you know, a short bus kid on, you know, kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's commendable work that I, I was going to say you're doing, but you know, that you're doing. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just an amazing thing. It it works. I I still am baffled that life coaching is a thing and that it actually works, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But of course it does. You know, I'm still, I'm still, I'm shocked still that I am doing this for a living, you know, but people want it and they need it. And it changes, it changes lives. You know, the life coaching does, you know, not me or you, but the, the work itself. hundred percent. I think that's, that's exactly it. It's not, not so much about us as it is just, uh, asking the right questions and uh, helping to guide, if anything, people to the truths that they really have already within themselves. But it's the the limiting beliefs. It's all the other things that obviously uh, detract or or suck energy away from them being able to to give their true gifts in life. And I think that's what it ultimately is. So many of these generational traumas and everything else that we take on and, and who knows if that was a seed planted when you were growing up too, is like, Oh, alcoholism, all this stuff, the 12 steps is all in my family. So maybe subconsciously it's just something like, yeah, I'm going to have to take this on myself. Who knows, right. Where that seed mm-hmm. was planted, but having the ability to, to work through this uh, who knows, right. In terms of how much this will continue to bless your marriage, your, your little one, like time will tell, but I, I can't imagine how it couldn't, 
<laughs> to, to bless the world massively. So the, the work that you've already done in yourself will help others a thousandfold, a hundred percent, just as it has for me and me being able to support you and vice versa. It's uh, that's why it's worth the work. I think it is, man. It yeah. is. Yeah. You yeah. nailed it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Thank you for just doing this and committing. I mean, committing your life to this so that I could have somebody to put myself in, in your hands and kind of say, <laughs> I don't know how you're going to improve this thing. I've been, I've been trying my ass off alone, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, let's see if you can kick it a little further down the road and then just, yeah. it's not even that game, you know, it's like just stripping something back that was just holding me back, you know? Um, I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I would happily pay you, you know, two or three times as much. Um, you know, you're probably undercharging me and you do charge, you know, a, a steady amount, but like, you're absolutely a million times worth, probably a million times that, you know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, just don't, just don't start out running my, my yeah. kicking coverage or whatever yet. Okay. Uh, you're, you're <laughs> I need you're, you, man. You're, you're giving me uh, a lot here just by spending, spending your time with me and giving your gifts to, to my podcast listeners. So it goes both ways, but yeah, man, I, I appreciate it. And, and I think it's, uh, like I said, it's just, it's worth the, worth the work. And I think when, when, when we're doing it and we're focused on healing and showing up in the best ways that we can, we get to cross paths with people like each other. Right. And that to me is worth all of it in its weight and gold in terms of like, ah, oh, just being able to kick it and have amazing friendships uh, with guys that are guys and we can bust each other's balls while at the time hold each other accountable to, uh, you know what, like, we, we can step these things up, you know, more in life and, and being able to show up better, I think is really, really, really what the world needs right now more than ever is good leadership and, and men and women and how they show up, you know, so oh, yeah. healing, healing has got to happen first and foremost before we can really lead and, and impact the world. So, well, can I, I have one parting shot, Yeah. Uh, which might be funny. Uh, <laughs> so I got so excited in our last, coaching conversation um i threw out this garbled you know thing to you and you like like ninja reassembled it and like gave it back to me in a way that was more valuable mm -hmm. and i was so gleeful i was like it was a problem that i've been working on for a very long time mm -hmm. and i was like i was like bro i love you like thank <laughs> you so much it just came out it was like i didn't even think about it for like five seconds usually that's a premeditated situation but uh yeah, but you did not return, you know, the, the ILY, you know, and, uh, and I was like, strong move, strong play. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to bring that up to you to, you know, be like, it's weird. It's out there. I haven't really talked with you since then. <laughs> and I just want to say, you know, there is love, there is love there. And I'm very appreciative to you. Yeah. Well, I, I love you too. And I think one of those things that there it is. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's where it is. I think that's what I was really in it for. Yeah. Well, I wanted to, uh, it's funny that you say that because I, I remember that. And I think sometimes it's, uh, I think it's one of those things that I've been focusing on, which is just, um, just receiving, you know? And so much as that, it's just can be a hip reaction. Like, Hey man, Hey bro, I love you. Love you too, bro. You know, like, see you, have a good day versus being like, ah, oh, thank you. You know? And I knew I'd have my opportunity to express <laughs> my gratitude for, for you for sure. You know, but I think now it's, it's in public. Things. Yeah. Well, Hey, it's out into the, <laughs> to the ethers i swear this is not like a self-approval like seeking your approval maybe it is i don't know <laughs> no, yeah no, i got work to do <laughs> it's uh it's always good to have healthy bromances right so totally man i think yeah. it's good but no i mean i think um and I, and I said it to you 
not in as many words, but in terms of like uh, on your graduation night or whatever that was Sunday night, just how much I appreciate what you and Lou did and stepping into that. You didn't even really know what you were stepping into, but just, I love that. You didn't even think about it. You were just like, yep, I'm in, let's do it. Let's go. You know, <laughs> I love that. I love that about, uh, cause I'm very similar. Uh, Lewis yeah. house is the one who asked me to go to something very similar out in Los Angeles, MITT. And he just, I didn't know what I was signing up for. I just said, yep. If you think it's going to be benefiting me, I trust you. Like I'm in, you know, yeah. man, did that change my life as well. Right. So mm-hmm. again, I give you the, the major props of just having the courage to say yes to life. Uh, and look how much it's already blessed you and those that you work with, you know, bless me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, well, and thank you. And then thank you, uh, grandfather or, uh, Godfather Lewis house. Yeah. 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 That yeah. dude's awesome. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a good dude for sure. And so I'm just following in, uh, in the footsteps of those that are bigger than me. Right. So me too, man. Yeah. It's yeah. all good. Well, Thanks thank for leaving you, the trail. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you. Well, this will be the first of many, I think, podcasts that we'll have uh, with you on. And and I think as we continue to do the work and dig in, there's going to be a lot of opportunity to, to continue to bless the world. But again, if, if someone has listened to this and like, damn, like I'm really, really struggling and I, they find points where they're really resonating with your story, what's a good way for them to contact you, uh, follow you, all that good stuff? Yeah, Zach Bloom, slide into my DMs. I think that's the, the best and fastest way right now. I'm building out all of my uh, social media platforms currently. So, you know, if you're listening to this in the future, it might be easier to find me there. But Zach Bloom, Bloom Roots is the name of my company because um, we work with uh, sports teams as well, youth sports teams, mm-hmm. um, as well as, you know, individual one-on-one coaching and, and seminars. Um, and I'm also in the middle of um, a huge content production uh, gear up basically. So like I said, I filmed my first podcast today. That'll be coming out uh, soon. And I just want to, I want to scream this stuff, you know, from the rooftops because you can do it for free. It's an inside job. You know, greatness is an inside job. Um, and I'll, I just want to give all the tools, you know, so people can follow along and do it at home. And obviously, um, I make a living doing it because people want, um, you know, the, the premium, you know, package of one-on-one work or, or yep. small group coaching, which I love doing it. It, it makes my life better, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's so amazing that it actually makes other people's lives better too, because of the work. Right. Um, so yeah, that's the best way. Zach Bloom, that's Facebook Bloom Roots official on, uh, Instagram. Um, yeah. Uh, Bloom Roots. Yeah. Got it. And, uh, by the way, your book is incredible. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you a little nudge right there. That's <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was, to be honest, I was shocked. I was like, it's just rare to find a really good and in-depth, you're just, you're a great writer and, and you've got great content, like, yeah, structure and content, man. It's, it's incredible. So thank you for setting the bar high. (laughs) I struggled through that, man. I struggled through that massively. So I'm grateful (laughs) to hear that it it has a positive impact. I've been kind of blown away because I thought it was going to, you just never know. Like, is it a test that you aced or is it a test that you flunked? I have no idea. I have no idea, but I'm glad it's over. Uh, yeah. That's honestly yeah. how I felt. You know, yeah. Author Johnny King. Yeah. 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 Well, I appreciate that very much. Um, Cause who knows, you know, where that'll go. And I'm excited to, to read yours whenever you get yours, you know, out there. Cause I'm sure you've got a many books within you. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah. Just getting started. Yeah. But, well, it's all yeah. good. It's all good. Well, thank you, man. Um, and thank you guys for, for listening, for watching on YouTube, whatever, whichever platform you're, dialing in on um but i would highly encourage you to, to follow my man zach bloom you said 
Bloom Roots, Zach Bloom. Yep, it'll be both. Yeah, we're still Bloom figuring out some of those things. Slide yeah. into my DMs and connect, especially if you or somebody that you know is going through a really rough time. Um, yeah. I, I do, I'm working on creating something for addicts and alcoholics uh, that is completely free um, to help them get better connected uh, as they're going through a 12 step program as kind of like a, a piggyback kind of thing. Um, what I found is like, I, I was trying to give this stuff away for free. And the only people that would take it were people that were dying <laughs> and everybody else. I think you have to leverage that with uh, how else do they understand value? Um, you know, so yeah, I, I just want to push this stuff out as much as possible. So if you're, if you're having an addiction issue, connect with me and I'll get you connected. Um, I I'm happy to have coffee with people one-on-one, um, and things like that. I I keep time blocked out in my schedule to do that because it was freely given to me. That's amazing. Freely receive, freely give. Right. So that's right. That's right, brother. Well, thank you so much for joining. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Look forward to uh, catching up with you on another episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. Thanks for joining. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. That's it for this one. And I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at johnnyking and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.